Okay. So, while, so there are many things that we count the days down until, and for many of those things we have to think about what we need to do to prepare, to get ourselves ready for them. And while you may have already started counting down the days until Christmas, you might have done that already, Steph tells me from looking on social media that loads of trees have gone up this weekend and lots of decorations. We're not quite there yet. Um, but today marks the beginning of Advent. It's the start of Advent today. And the word Advent means arrival or coming. It's a time when we prepare for the arrival of Jesus. Who here has an Advent calendar? Do people know? Yeah, so people know. I'm sure there might be a few Barry's raising his hand, sort of like nervously. Be proud of it. You have an advent calendar. Isaac's very excited about his. And our advent calendars really are a way of giving us chocolate, if we've got a chocolate one, or toys, if we've got one with toys, but it's a way of keeping track of the day until Christmas. Now, in some churches, in quite a lot of churches, they would have Advent wreaths as a way of counting down. So there'd be five candles on these Advent wreaths. There would be one candle in the middle to represent Jesus, and then four candles, four candles, not four candles. I knew that was going to come up, boy. Yeah, not handles for forks. Four candles around the outside that represent other things. One for each week of the Advent season. And with today being the start of Advent, the week one candle is the hope candle. And today, as part of our getting ready to celebrate the arrival of Jesus, we're going to think about hope. Now, don't confuse the word hope for wishful thinking. Because I think that is sometimes the way that many people think about hope. I, just, I hope this will happen. But it's more wishful thinking than anything that is certain. Because the way the word hope is used in the Bible is more about trust, or specifically it's about trust that is placed in a trustworthy God. So that is where our hope lies, in the one that we are trusting in. Now, the hope candle also has another name. The other name for the hope candle is the prophecy candle. And prophecy is when God speaks through people who act as messengers, who share with others what God would want them to know. And we see it right throughout the Bible, with the Bible being God's story. And the fact that the candle has two names, I think is really profound. It shows us that there is a link between God speaking and hope. When God speaks, hope comes. And in the Old Testament, so the part of the Bible before Jesus' arrival, we see that God promises his people that he would send someone to save them and to rescue them. And in the giving of... But also in the receiving of this promise, the people are given hope, even in the period of waiting. Now the Christmas story is full of hope, but it is not the beginning of the message of hope. And we see one of these promises in the book of Jeremiah. And God gave Jeremiah a message at a time where the kingdoms where God's people lived had been overtaken by their enemies. They weren't free, they were ruled by other leaders, they were ruled by other kings. And it was into this time and into this situation that God spoke through Jeremiah. He spoke a message and it was a message of hope. And in, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Jeremiah 33. From verse 13 to 16.
from 14 to 16. It says, Behold, this is Jeremiah speaking to the people. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And that is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. So at this point, God has promised that he would send a king, a descendant of David, who would be the greatest king who ever lived, who would rescue his people and bring the kingdoms back together. And so the people waited, and they waited, and they waited with hope of his arrival. But this king was not born in a palace. He was born in a stable, in a little town, that people would say nothing good ever comes out of this place. And yet this is where that king was born, a king who wasn't what many people were expecting But while he wasn't what people necessarily were expecting, he was the answer to God's promise. He was the message of hope that people had been living with. And we'll look more at this king, and we'll look more at this hope through the rest of our time together. But now I'm going to hand over to Lou and to Pete, and we're going to come to sing of this hope. We're going to come to sing of this hope that we have in our King Jesus. Okay, so in the Old Testament, there were many prophecies about Jesus. And we heard one of them, just a very small part of one in Jeremiah. And the prophecy of Jeremiah was spoken nearly 600 years before Jesus' birth. That is how far it was. So I don't know whether any of you children are going to think about what Faversham looked like 600 years ago. Or what Faversham is going to look like in 600 years' time. I think I would struggle with that. I struggle to get my head around what 600 years is like but that's how long it was between God giving this promise of a king who would come and then actually the king arriving as Jesus was born and it can be hard for us to know what life was like as we look back don't we I struggled to think what life was like 10 20 years ago let alone hundreds of years ago but then it can also be hard for us to imagine what life will look like as we look forward We might have an idea of what life might look like, or we might have an idea of what we would like it to look like. But we're very limited, aren't we, in what we can, whether we're looking back or looking forward. But the wonderful thing is this, is that God knew, and God knows. So even though there was this period of waiting of hundreds, nearly 600 years, God knew. And he knows. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. Another way we can understand that is that at the right time, when the time was right, God sent his son, born of Mary. And so in Advent, remember, we're thinking about this period of arrival as we're looking ahead And that's what God's people have done throughout history. You see, long ago, God chose to prepare the hearts of his people with the news that a saviour would come. He gave them that promise because he wanted to prepare them. 
He wanted to ready them. He wanted them to be looking ahead, to be looking forward to the fulfillment of that promise. And so the people waited, hoping, trusting in God who had not failed them in the past. That's really important. They trusted God. They had hope because God had not failed them in the past. See, at the right time, Jesus was born. But as we've mentioned already, maybe not in the way that people were expecting. Didn't live up to the expectations of many. He didn't look like this king that they were expecting. He didn't look like the one who was going to save and rescue them. Because instead of being born in a, in a palace, he was born in a small town. In Bethlehem, in a stable. The first people to greet him weren't other royalty, members of prestigious families or important families. No, actually we see that some of the first people that went to meet him were shepherds who had been out in the field. And then later on, travellers came from far away following a star. Steph, can you come and share with us this thing about the star that you shared with me the other day? It blew my mind. I think it's amazing. So, um, in Eva's lesson, when Eva was at school the other day, she came home talking about stars and um, the light that comes from stars and the light that comes from the sun. And she was saying, Mummy, did you know that the light that comes from the sun takes takes about eight minutes? I've looked it up and I've checked the facts. It takes about eight minutes from the light from the sun to reach the earth. Okay, and then she said, Mummy, did you know that for some stars it takes 2,000 years for the light from the star to reach the earth? And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And we were having a think about it, weren't we, Eva? And then I said, that means that the star that was above the stable, above Jesus, God would have had to have made, whether it was 100 years for the light to get there, or a thousand years, or ten thousand years for the light to get there, God would have to make that star at the right time for the light to have travelled at the right time for it to be above the stable. How are they doing that? I'm seeing many mouths agog. I, when Steph told me that, I was like, doesn't just in terms of God's planning and God's foreknowledge to know that at, when that star needed to be created at just the right time that it would appear in just the right place, however many hundreds or thousands of years before that would have been. But that goes back to what we were saying. God knew and God knows. None of it was a mistake. None of it was a quickly cobbled together plan. It's all in God's timing, all in God's power, all in God's wisdom. Matthew 1, right at the start of Matthew. As the angel appears to Joseph and tells him that Mary is going to bear a son. They're going to call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And it says this. It says, all this took place. This is what Matthew records. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Okay, so another promise that God had spoken. Behold, she shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. 
which means God with us. So we're thinking about hope. And we've decided that hope is about trust that is placed in a trustworthy God. And this God, who we are to put our trust in because of who he is, he chose to live with us. That is what Emmanuel means. You see, the one who we are called to trust has come near to us. This hope, as we've said, it's not wishful thinking. It's not just wishing for the best. God, the one who we're meant to put our trust in, he came to dwell among us, to live among us. Hope in the flesh. Hope come down. Going back to Galatians. I'm really testing my Bible skills here and jumping around. We said in Galatians, uh, we read a little, little earlier about it being the right time. But actually from chapter 4 and verse 3 it says that we, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. See, when we just shared communion together and we remembered Jesus' body broken and his blood shed, his life given for us. The reason he did that was to bring us into God's family. That this God who has made himself known through Jesus has now welcomed us through Jesus into his family. That we should be sons and daughters. So actually the one who in which we are called to put our trust in and our hope in, we can call Father. We can know him as our Father. I was listening to a, um, uh, listening to a podcast, I've mentioned it before, uh, by Ray Altland and Sam Albury. And in this... Ray Altman was talking about, actually, do you know what? That when God saves people, it's not like he's collecting pennies in a jar. Actually, the Bible speaks of us as being a body who have been joined together by God. I love that. Not pennies collected in a jar, but a body who have been joined together. And so actually, what Jesus has done for us is about sins being forgiven. But it's also about being brought in and gathered in to his family, being part of his body, being part of his people. You know, sometimes people are in our lives for just a season. I was having a, it was a very deep conversation I was having at cricket dinner the other day with some people. It's just like I was reading somewhere that actually, do you know what, sometimes our friends will be in our lives for a season and then not, and that's okay, because that's the way life works. And it may have felt like that for the disciples. After Jesus' death and resurrection, and as he pre prepared to return to the Father, it might have felt like, actually, Jesus, you've just been with us for such a short time. Is this it? Is this the time that we're going to have with you? But Jesus comforts them so wonderfully. And we see in Matthew 28, as he gives his disciples a mission to go and make him known to all nations, he says, but I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So 
Emmanuel, God with us, not just for them, but for all time. Can you see why we're talking about this hope being much more than wishful thinking? It's because of who we're hoping in. It's because of what he has done for us. It's because he has promised that he will be with us always. Not just for a season. Not just for a period of time. But always. So Advent is about that looking ahead to when Jesus was born. But it's also about looking ahead to Jesus' return. I was only made aware of this fairly recently, actually, and it just completely changed it for me. That actually we're going to be looking ahead and preparing ourselves for Jesus coming back. The last couple of weeks, if you've been with us, we've sung a song called There Is A Day. There is a day that all creation's waiting for. That sings of that day when Jesus is going to return and make all things new. That all hurt and pain will cease. And the brokenness that we see around us will be done away with forever. I think it was very fitting, actually, that we sung it on Remembrance Sunday at a time where, actually, the the brokenness of, of the world is very much at the fore and in our thoughts as to what we're remembering and reflecting upon. And yet on that day, and every day, we can sing, there is a day that we are waiting for. Because when Jesus returns, we're going to meet him and we are going to be like him. You see, Jesus' return is God's message of hope for Christians in today's broken world. If you're looking for a source of hope in this broken world, that's it. That promise that Jesus will one day return for his bride, for his people. I was reading an article in kind of preparing for this morning. And rather fittingly, it was written by a lady called Hope. Her name was Hope Bollinger. Uh, and, And she says that hope is an important thing. It helps us during significant trials or times of distress. It offers us security that God will arrive and though we cannot see him now, we will see him face to face one day. So actually today as we are thinking about Advent and preparing, yes preparing for Christmas but also looking ahead to when Jesus returns, we start with hope. We start with hope. I think some of the most comforting verses in all of scripture for me are in Hebrews 13 verse 8 the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever he's the same yesterday he's the one that the prophet spoke of he is the message of hope to a world that is waiting and watching He is the same today. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is the same forever. His words to his friends, Behold, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Not just for a season, but for forever. So as we enter into Advent, as we look back on Jesus' arrival, but also as we look forward to his return, let us rest upon hope hope waits and endures it withstands challenge trial and despair I'm just going to pray for us as we draw our time this morning to a close this is a prayer I mentioned that lady Hope Bollinger and this was a prayer that she had written that I'd love to just pray over us and for us as we enter into this Advent season
But actually, I just it's right that we think about this at Advent. But this hope we have is for every, every day and for every moment. Again, it's not just for a season that once we've got through Christmas, we move on to other things. We don't because our hope every day where God gives us breath, every morning when we open our eyes, we have hope. We have hope in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Advent is a time for remembering and reflecting on the birth of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you will turn our hearts towards you as Christmas approaches. Let us not get caught up in the hustle and bustle of the season this year and miss the chance to celebrate the gifts of hope, peace, joy and love that you sent to us on that first Christmas. Father God, every word in scripture points to the gift of hope that we have because of Christ Jesus. The Christmas story wasn't the beginning of that message of hope because the Old Testament is full of glimpses of your plan to redeem your people and to restore them into a relationship with you. But we are able to truly begin to see and understand just how great your love for us is when we read the story of Jesus' birth in Scripture. You showed us a glimmer of that hope as you chose to send your Son into this earth through a family tree that was a little bent and scarred. We glanced it again as you chose a tribe that was small and a city that was lowly. It can be seen when we recognise that you don't send your son to be birthed in a fancy palace among the wealthy and the elite, but our King of Kings and Lord of Lords was born among common shepherds and livestock in a barn. Help us to see that you are with us. Nothing is too difficult, too messy or too dirty for you. Jesus came to give us the gift of eternal life through the salvation that only you, our Heavenly Father, can give. That first Christmas, you gave us the gift of hope, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Thank you, Father, for your immeasurable gift. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen.